Hey, we're going through a series on the Lord's Prayer. So I think we're going to put it up here. Uh, I know that a lot of us, as we say every week, a lot of us memorized it in the King James Version. Um, we use the English Standard Version of the Bible on Sunday, so we just put it up here in this. If you memorized it in the King James, feel free to say it in the King James. But before we get going today, let's kind of recite this together if we can. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Awesome. And there's that last line. If you come in two weeks, I'll tell you why it's not here. But a lot of you, how many of you memorized it with the last line? For thine is the power. Yep. Yeah, me too. Uh, we'll get to that in a couple of moments. I have a love-hate relationship with Costco. How many of you have a membership at Costco? Say anybody else feel the complexity of the relationship with Costco? I love that you're a member of a secret club. Like, I love that there's a person at the door who will kick people out who try to get in if they are not a member of the club. But as a member of the club, if you forget your card, you can go to the desk and they'll give you a temporary card. There's something about that that I really like. I love that you can find a deal. Like, sometimes not everything in a Costco or BJ's or Sam's Club is a deal, but sometimes you can really find a deal. The thing I grieve is the loss of the samples. I assume they don't do the samples. They don't do the samples anymore, do they? Like in COVID, I am, uh, I am assuming they do not. Uh, I do miss the samples. The thing I most love about Costco is it's probably the one place on earth, if you think about it, where you can go in. You could go in today and you could buy the largest box of Christmas cookies that you can ever imagine, right? You can get that. You can then buy probably also at the same store a Christmas tree. You could also buy at the same store a couch to sit on and eat your Christmas cookies while you look at your Christmas tree. You could buy a television in the same store to watch Christmas movies on Hallmark. And then you could buy plaid long johns or a onesie to sit in while you sit on your couch eating your Christmas cookies, looking at your tree and watching your television. And you can still buy heart medication for what all of that sedentary lifestyle is going to do to you. And this is an amazing fact about Costco, and I kid you not. If you don't take your heart meds that you bought at Costco, you can buy a casket at Costco. Costco sells caskets. I joke you not. And if, you don't, if you're not going to go the burial route, they also sell urns. Um, and you can buy those at Costco. Like, how many stores on planet Earth could you do all of those things with? Here's what I hate about Costco is the size of stuff. I hate the size of stuff. I looked up this week, most ridiculous items you could buy at Costco. You could buy like a gallon of ketchup. Like where do you put a gallon of ketchup? Like where do you do that? No joke, you can buy seven pounds. You can buy a seven pound container of Nutella. Nick hates Nutella so much. You can buy a seven pound thing of Nutella. I love Nutella. You can buy a 180 serving bucket of macaroni and cheese. Think about that. A 180 serving bucket of macaroni and cheese. You can buy 10,000 square feet of aluminum foil in one wrapper. Like, I don't even know what you would do with 12,000 square feet of aluminum foil or 100 rolls of toilet paper or whatever. I mean, those things, even if it's a great deal and it looks like a great deal, you buy that stuff and you get home and you go, where am I going to put this? Like, as much as I would love to have 100 rolls of toilet paper so that we don't have that emergency where you're like, oh, dear Jesus, like, you're, like, looking around for a roll of, like, you know, like, as much as I don't want to deal with that emergency once or twice a year, we have nowhere in my house to store 100 rolls of toilet paper or 7 pounds of Nutella or 12,000 square feet of aluminum foil. So, 
or Gatlet or whatever. So it's the question of the deal versus the space. For me, though, at times, I wish that God provided needs and desires and grace and like Costco portions. Have you ever prayed and just thought, God, like, if you could just go ahead and, like, give me, like, a month's worth of what I'm about to ask for rather than a day's worth, that would be really awesome. Um, But as a kid, the one prayer we prayed as a kid, we didn't pray that Our Father as much as a lot of you grew up praying it, but we prayed at the meal every time. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Man, that was ingrained in us. And God, unfortunately, does not usually deal out in Costco-sized portions as much as we wish that he would. And so the first couple of weeks, if you were here the last couple of weeks, we read the the beginning of Jesus talking about uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first two weeks of this series, we were talking about God's glory in our life. Those are about God's glory, who he is and what he does, as Nick was sharing. Today and next week and the week after that, we're talking about our needs. And as Jesus pivots from God's glory to our needs, I think the first thing very strategically he talks about is our need for material like provision or our daily bread. So let's read together. Matthew 6, we're going to start, in, as we will every week in this series, uh, in verse 5, and then we're going to read through verse 13, but today we're just going to focus on verse 11. Now, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus is not warning against public prayer. We pray publicly every Sunday. He's, perf- he's warning against performance prayer, that when we pray, whether it's at the dinner table or in church or in a community meeting or something, that we're not be performing. Let's go on, verse 7. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He says, Look, the prayer, like when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're not praying it for repetition, just to repeat it or say crazy stuff. We're not doing this as a punishment. We talked about how some of you were made to pray the Lord's Prayer as a punishment. Jesus says it's not meant to do that. It's relational. And he says, so then pray like this. Some of you pray this every day. How many of you pray the Lord's Prayer every day? Or when you begin or end your prayers, you pray the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, a few of you. He, he might say, you might just pray this from memory repeating it. He says, you also might just pray it like as a framework for how you're going to pray, focusing on God's glory, pivoting to our needs. And so he says, here's pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, the most important thing in this verse is not the idea of giving. We're going to talk about what this verse is the, we're going to talk about almost every word in this because it's such a short, short verse today. The most important idea in here is not that what God would give us. I want to tell you, the Lord longs to give to us. We'd probably, though, ask God, if we're honest, a lot of us, to sell us our daily bread. I'd rather, God, you sell it to me than I bought it. I got some skin in the game. Like we come to God every morning with you know, our money or our thing that we did. And we say, God, would you sell me some daily bread? Like 
we love living in Boston, and I wish that I weren't so lazy and we walked over to the North End and bought fresh bread every day. There would be something nice about doing that. The, the reward of fresh bread every day is not worth the cost of leaving my house on Medford Street to head over to the North End. But I like the idea that it's at least an option. I would go in, buy some bread, walk out. There's a transaction. There's something to our relationship with God that can eat. We would be more comfortable if he just sold us our daily bread. Like, we paid for it in tithes, or we paid for it in obedience, or whatever. We also like the idea of God lending us our daily bread. Like, God, if you'll lend this to me, then I will pay it back later. Like, there's an old cartoon that some of you may have watched in reruns. Um, Popeye, do you, some of you remember this? Like, And there's a character, I think his name was Wimpy, and he said, I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Like, we would love to do this with God. Like, God, will you lend this to me, and I'll give it back to you later. We would barter with God. And I think this is the one we do the most. Like, Lord, if you will do this, then I will do this. If you'll give me this thing, then I'll do this. If you'll forgive me for this, then I will do this. I will serve you, but I will earn it as a wage and pay it back like a loan and make you a deal. And God, the deal may be that if you'll give me bread, then I'll pray. If you'll give me bread, if you'll meet our needs, if you'll help us pay these bills, then I'll go to church. If you will do this thing for me, God, or uh, then I will be a good person. And, and it's this idea that is like deeply rooted into the Boston culture of karma and into probably all American culture at this time. I just don't live in all of America. I live in Boston. And it's this idea of like, I hear people say it all the time, Man, that's karma. And we let that bleed over. We let that very Eastern idea bleed over into our faith that we're going to barter with God. And so here's the truth. God longs to give to us freely and joyfully and longs for us to ask him to do it. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God giving us what we could never earn or deserve. And it's not just salvation. It's all things. It's God even giving us grace, what we didn't earn or deserve through Christ, um, in our bread and in tons of gifts. And so we have to die to this idea of a reciprocal culture. I, I love... Uh, living here. Everything is so reciprocal living in Boston. I don't know if you ever feel this, but it's like if somebody bakes you some cookies, then you have to take them something else later. If somebody invites you to their house, then you have to invite them to their Like There's this like evening of the scales. It drives me crazy, and I think it's awesome too because you always know. It reminds me of Sheldon Cooper in the episode of Big Bang Theory where Penny gives him the um, the... The napkin, yes, that that Spock used, and like, and it's the greatest episode, the greatest ending to a episode of Big Bang ever. We can do that with relationships. Like everything has to be equal and reciprocal. God does not want us to do this. God doesn't want us to reciprocate. He just wants to give us stuff because He loves us. And when we pray that God would give to us, we have to understand that we're asking God to give not to barter with him or to ask him to sell us daily bread. God, will you just give it to me? I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I can't trade you for it. I can't, up, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do anything. God, will you give it to me? That's not the most important idea. The most important idea is also not the idea of us. Though when I pray, I tend to pray very me-centered prayers or me in my house. Like how often do we think about, well, this is about us, me, and my four, no more, or whatever the phrase is. But this is a corporate prayer calling us to be mindful of each other and of the church abroad in Boston, New England, and globally. That's why once a month we want to pray for another church in our city 
to remind ourselves that we're in this with other people. Give us our daily bread. Because we believe in this as a church and because you are a really generous people. When we got booted out of the Harvard Kent a year and a half ago, the stewardship team said, look, we've got resources that we can invest in our community and in other Christians elsewhere, and we want to do it. And so during the course of our nomadic period where we were only online and moving around from park to theater to wherever, man, I want to tell you some things we were able to do. We were able, to, we had, there were pastors in our network, in our Send Boston network, whose churches, because they weren't meeting and didn't have online giving set up, there were churches who weren't going to make payroll. And we caught wind of it. And our church was fortunate enough to be able to help other pastors and their families be paid a couple of months during pandemic. We also heard of some uh, Pakistani Christians who, during the pandemic, um, because to be a follower of Christ openly in Pakistan is illegal, um, the government set up a system during the pandemic that you had to have an ID showing that you were a Muslim, and that was how you would get fed by the government during the pandemic. And so a lot of Christians had to make a decision, will you renounce your faith and be fed, or will you hold on to your faith and not? And because of our networks and people we're connected with, we were able during the pandemic to give money to feed Pakistani Christian families. Like, that's amazing. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're uniting ourselves with the body of Christ all around the world. It's as 1 Corinthians 12, 26 through 27 says, I think we're going to put it up here. Um, there we go. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're joining together. I'll be honest. Maybe this is awkward. Some of the folks in our church got the COVID vaccine. Some of the folks in our church didn't. If the ones for the ones who didn't because of a serious conviction, like if they were to be laid off from their work, we're going to deal with that together as a family. This is a family. If one suffers, we all suffer together. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, that doesn't stop at my doorknob. That's all of us. And we're going to fight and contend for one another. And so when we pray, give us our daily bread, we're praying that God would provide for us and for the body of Christ in all of our city, and we're going to fight for that to happen for one another, however we can do it. Trevin Wax has said this, Hope threw this quote up a moment ago, we don't exist in a bubble demanding daily bread for ourselves without giving a thought to those who yesterday went to bed hungry. We don't just pray for the hungry, we pray with the hungry. Whew, that's good. Give us. But I don't think that's the most important idea. And I don't think bread's the most important idea ever. And let me just say that bread, when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, that's a generic word meaning bread as well as just the necessities of life. Now, we're kind of, we're extremely spoiled and fortunate in 2021 living in America. Bread for Jesus's audience was a staple. It was probably all they ate all day. That was the meal. Two meals a day, you get morning bread, night bread. That was it. For us, we got breakfast bread. I love breakfast bread. Usually for me in my house, breakfast bread is muffins with chocolate chips in them. Mm. I love breakfast bread. Sometimes the breakfast bread is pancakes. Sometimes the breakfast 
uh, bread is biscuits uh, that Natalie will home make and put sausage in them. And man, they're amazing. We also have lunch bread. At my house, usually lunch bread is just has peanut butter and jelly between it, or as Nick is going to retch. Sometimes for the boys, it has peanut butter and Nutella in between. But lunch bread is usually very boring. We have dinner bread. Dinner bread's delicious. Sometimes dinner bread is a roll. Sometimes, like if Natalie makes like a chicken pot pie or something, we have bread on top of the chicken and the vegetables. But we have dinner bread. We have appetizer bread. Appetizer bread never great at home. You go to a restaurant, it's like this is amazing. What is this? What is this basket of goodness that they have put before me? It's like it's the same stuff we just had for breakfast, lunch, and are about to have for dinner. But in a basket at a restaurant, it seems awesome unless you go to sail loft where they put oreos out and that is the greatest goodness of all time um and then there's also dessert bread and man dessert bread's the best dessert bread is the absolute best when jesus is talking to these people this idea would have been so confusing to a first century middle eastern it was just bread it was bread it was one kind it was bread so it's a staple It was also a symbol for Jesus' audience when they hear, give us our daily bread. Their minds are going to go to Exodus 16. In Exodus 16, God's people have just been let out of slavery. Then we get to the middle of a desert, and they have nothing to eat because there's a million of them wandering through the desert, miles from the promised land. And they're like, hey, we're better off being slaves in Egypt than we are being here in the middle of the wilderness with nothing to eat. And God literally causes this bread that was sweet. The Bible says it was like frosted flakes. So like if you can just imagine God raining frosted flakes every morning onto the people of Israel, it was like sugar bread is falling from the heavens. When Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, what they are hearing is God's provision for their ancestors in the desert supernaturally. Give us this day our daily bread. And there was just enough. If you go read Exodus 16, it says there would only be enough for one day. If they said, you know what? Gertrude's looking a little slow today. I'm going to go ahead and grab up her portion, shove it right here in my pocket, and good luck to her. Like, that you would have, God would allow you to have enough for that one day. And what you stole of Gertrude's was going to turn to maggots as soon as you ate yours. Molded maggots. There's only one day a week that they were allowed to gather for two days, and that was the day before the Sabbath because God, as we just talked about last month, wanted his people to take a day off. So one time a week, they could take two days' worth of bread. Give us our daily bread. It was a staple and a symbol reminding the people of what God had done and who he was. It was a staple and a symbol of all God provides. Martin Luther has said it's daily bread is food. It's also clean water. Think about how many people on our planet who follow Christ don't get access to clean water. It's also health and home and friends and family, good government, good weather. It's the dailies, not the luxuries. If you walked in this morning and somebody saw you and high-fived you or fist-bumped you or hugged you, that was part of your daily bread. We need that. And man, as much as I wish I could just hug you and love you today enough to last you the whole month, God has given us the church and the daily bread of one another to encourage one another. And you need to be here next Sunday as best you can because even the relationships we have with one another as part of following Christ is part of our daily bread. God provides our daily needs. 2 Corinthians 9.8. Let me see if I can get over to it really quickly here. It says this. 
God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God will give you everything you need, but he gives it to us daily. Daily. It's that daily bread, all things, all times, for all situations, for every good work. But the biggest idea here is not daily, or excuse me, it's not bread. It's daily. I think that's the biggest idea here is daily. If you underline your Bible, circle it, underline it, make a big note of that idea of daily. Bread for this day, or in the Greek, what Jesus would have, what Matthew wrote down was bread for the next day. If you were praying in the morning, you would say, God, and for this day ahead, will you give me the bread I'm going to need, the necessities I'm going to need to make this day? If you were praying at night, you would say, God, when the sun rises tomorrow, if the sun rises for me tomorrow, will you give me the things tomorrow that I'm going to need to live and follow you and trust you? Bread for one, one day at a time, bread. One day at a time, bread. Not Costco portions, not a month at a time. If God's given you enough to last you the next month, like we have a, an approach in our house. We always want to try to have three to six months savings available. Like I think that's just good financial stewardship if you can, if you can work there. If you have that, that's great. If you don't have that, it's okay. It's okay not to have enough for a month at a time. But we need to be praying whether we have six-month savings, five-year savings, or not even enough savings to get us through the weekend. We need to be praying, God, will you provide for me one day at a time. Proverbs 30, verse 8 says this. Let me get over to it. Remove from me, Lord, falsehood and lying. And I love this. What a great prayer. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. If God gives us too much, we would tend to be independent. If God gives us too much, we would tend to be independent. Look what I made. I don't need the Lord. I did this. I'm going to go enjoy this stuff. If God gives us so little, we'd be tempted to steal or to stop trusting. And so God gives us daily bread to force us to be truly dependent on him. Daily bread, daily grace, not just food, grace for everything, money, friends, peace, health, work, food. Daily bread is proof of all of his daily grace. There's a great quote by a woman named Betsy Child Howard. She says, if you doubt that God has given you the capacity to endure your trial for a lifetime, you can rest assured he hasn't, but he has given you exactly what you need to flourish today. Some of you are in the middle of some health stuff, and the idea of thinking about living with that for the rest of your life is overwhelming. It's like, Lord, why haven't, would you give me grace to get through this the rest of my life? Some of you have really difficult family relationships. And it's like, how am I going to deal with this family member for the rest of my life? Some of you have work situations that you're like, God, I do not know that I can be doing this one year from now. Some of you, I know, I love you, and I know some of you long to be married. And you're like, God, I don't know if I can be single one more month. And you know what God says? You don't have to have the strength to get through those those things for a month or a year or for the rest of your life. Just trust me today. Trust me with your singleness today. Trust me with your job today. Trust me with your health today. I'll help you get through this. Trust me with your family member or your friend today. I will help you. Of course you don't have grace to get through it forever, but I've given you what you need to flourish today. 
I fear for myself in another person's pain. I'll be honest. Whenever I hear a friend who has cancer, I'm afraid I'm going to have cancer. And the Lord, or uh, not even cancer right now, the coach, when I was at the University of Georgia, there was a guy who got hired the year after I left. His name is Mark Rick. He's a really good Christian man. About three months ago, Mark Rick came out and said he's been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And, uh, and yesterday they honored him at the University of Georgia football game at, half t- at halftime or before the game. And they showed just a moment of it during the game. And they handed him a football. And here's this man who loves Christ and dis- described his disease as a light and momentary affliction that he will lay at the foot of Jesus when his life on this earth ends. Whew. But I watched him. They handed him that football and he held it up and kind of just turned And you could see the tremor in his hand, and you could see his health deteriorating. And I would be lying if I didn't tell you that a part of me thought, oh, God, what if that happens to me? Oh, God. Oh, man, I don't want to be helpless. I don't want to be dependent. Oh. You know what the Lord literally said to me? Like, I mean, I felt like the Lord impressed on my heart was, you don't have Parkinson's today. Trust me today. I'm enough. Trust me today. I'm enough. I'm your daily bread. And that leads to, or Jesus in, excuse me, Jesus in Matthew 6, 33 and 34 says, but seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all this other stuff, the stuff of life will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here's the big idea today. God doesn't want to give us stuff as much as God wants to give us reason and opportunity to depend on him and keep depending on him. Every morning when I wake up and we have bread, the point is not the bread. The point is the bread giver. And the bread giver will give me enough bread so that I have to keep leaning into the bread giver. And if I become so blessed and so prosperous, I no longer have to think about the bread giver because I'm so functionally codependent and worshipful of the bread, then something has gone amiss. And so I pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. It's forcing us to trust the bread giver and to depend on him and keep depending on him. In the same way, when he gives us the bread, I think he loves it. Like last year at Christmas, we gave Owen an iPad, and he had been dropping hints that he wanted an iPad. He was about as subtle as a Mack truck, like, as to, but he never believed that he would actually get the iPad. And I remember him opening the Christmas present, and there was the iPad, and Natalie worked so hard last year to make the money that we could give him the iPad. And there was this look on his face of like, it was like, if this is joy and this is disbelief, Here's what happened. Like, you could watch the the joy was low because the disbelief was so high. And you could watch the scale tip and the joy, the disbelief go down and the joy go up. Every time God gives us bread and our disbelief, our disbelief goes down and our joy goes up as a parent, he goes, oh man, that was so good. 
He just delights in giving us himself, and he delights in giving us stuff. He wants us to see him as ours, that he's our father, he's our powerful king, and he sees our needs, but he wants us to see our needs in light of his character and power and love. And seeing that releases our anxiety and fear and desire to be in control or even to hoard. R.C. Sproul tells this story after the Korean War. There were kids uh, in Korea um, who were uh, who lost their parents and were orphaned, and they were put into an orphanage where they were, by all accounts, given three square meals a day in a very safe environment. And every night, tons of these scores of these kids across the country, across the orphanages, would wake up just with night tremors and nightmares and. Um, just losing it. They were restless. They were sleepy. They were just cranky the next day, uh, like any sleepy child would be. And so the people who ran the orphanage began to try to say, like, why are you, why are you so fearful? Why are you waking up in the night so fearful? And overwhelmingly, what they began to find out was that even though those kids were getting three square meals a day, they were truly terrified that they were not going to be fed the next day that the Korean War had traumatized them and food insecurity had been the thing that traumatized them the most. And so here's what they did. The people who cared for the children every night, they would put the children in the bed at the orphanage and they would put a small piece of bread into every kid's hand. That wasn't a midnight snack. And they told them that. What they told them was, this is to remind you that tomorrow we're gonna feed you three meals again. We fed you three today, we'll feed you three tomorrow. And the holding the bread literally became the thing for a lot of those children, those orphans in Korea, that allowed them to sleep at night. The Lord provides us daily bread, little reminders of actual bread to remind us that he'll provide for us tomorrow. And it may just be enough for tomorrow, but then he'll provide for us the next day and the next day and the next day. But he only promises us enough for one day at a time. So for all of us, I want to encourage us to let our prayers for necessities like bread, but also work and also relationships and also health. Let our prayers for bread lead to God dependence. That when we look at our need for the created stuff that gets us through, that it would cause us to trust the creator. If we say, I don't know if I can keep doing this job. Look to the Lord. Look to the Father. You say, oh, man, I read an article this morning. It said some people are thinking that the stock market is going to go down by 80% in the next four to six months as inflation creeps in. And, like, starting the morning, I was like, oh, Jesus, I wanted to throw my phone across the room. No! And the Lord's like, just trust me today. Just trust me today. That our prayers for the necessities of life would trust us would lead us to trust and be God-dependent, that God would, that I, I want to encourage you to make your needs known and trust him to provide, that who he is allows us to trust what he will do. God wants us to be God-dependent. For the Christians in the room, people who say, I'm a follower of Christ, I want to encourage you, um, for people who, and most of us in the room, have more than enough for daily bread. If we went home and took an inventory, I would assume that all, if not almost every one of us, have enough in our cupboards to get us through at least the next day. And so I don't want you to feel guilt or condemnation about that. But I do want you, if you look at your cupboards and you look at your bank account and you look at the, your stuff, maybe the Lord would call you to be more God-dependent. 
to put a bit, little bit more weight on the bar and that you would begin to put yourself in a position where you may have to trust him a little bit more, a little bit more. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know if that's financial or time or serving or relational or putting yourself out there in your witness. But if you have more than enough, maybe God would be asking you to live in a way that forces you to trust a little more. For people in the room who are not followers of Jesus or you're not yet sure or you have never kind of gone public with that, I want to encourage you with John six thirty-five. I think we have this verse and we can throw it up there. Jesus said to the people, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. For people who aren't sure if Jesus is your Savior, understand that Jesus isn't just wanting to give you actual bread. He does that, but he does that not yet follower of Christ so that you would trust in him and that you would come to him. He is the bread, and he wants us to feast on him. So I would ask you, what would stop you today from turning and believing in Christ and surrendering yourself to Christ? Let me pray for us. God, we can feel a bit like those Korean orphans. <laughs> I fret more than I care to admit over whether or not you'll provide tomorrow or a month from now or five years from now. And all you're asking me to do is trust you to provide daily bread, daily bread. Lord, for all of us, we want to trust you. I pray that we would allow ourselves to be more God-dependent, that every time we sit down and have a meal, whether in public or at home, I pray that we would just pause and ask you to provide for our daily needs. And every time we sit and have a meal, we would thank you. The blessing is just us thanking you for more daily bread. Help us be diligent to remember that it's you and help us be God-dependent people. For Christians in the room, God, I pray that if we are living with more than daily bread, Lord, you certainly have blessed my family with so much. I pray that we would constantly be living lives of dependence and not scarcity and not needing to hoard. And even if that means we give more, surrender more, whatever it means, Lord, I pray that we would be willing to do it, to trust you and see you provide. Lord, I pray we would never get to a point where we think the win is not having to look to you to provide. And Lord, for anyone in the room who's never given their life to you or they've never gone public with it, God, I, I pray that they would come to Jesus, the bread of life. It's not that you just want to give us stuff from your hands, God. It's that you want us to trust and know your heart. So help anybody in here, Lord, to have courage today to maybe save from the quietness of their seed or watching at home, God. Lord Jesus, I turn from myself turn from self-rule and feeling like I have to be the provider for everything, and I'm trusting you. Will you come into my life? Will you forgive me and be the Lord of my life? And Lord, I thank you that that confession of faith, the Bible says, is enough to save us. So as people maybe pray that prayer today or prayed that in the past or will pray that in the days to come, or maybe we'll just look up one day and realize that six months ago or three months ago, we made that heart commitment. God, I pray that we would act on it. I pray that we would go public with it. I pray that we would unashamedly follow the bread of life. We love you. We thank you that you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.